I told you last time that we would talk about, I would expand a little bit on John the Baptist in this service. And I had planned for someone else to preach this service. And I thought, mm, no, I'm so sorry. I told the 1230 I would expand on it. And actually, uh, that probably led me into, more than likely, uh, the message for today, which is the story continues. That is my title, the story continues. I'm talking about the Christmas story. Um, that we have shared with you several times now, how uh, God at the right time sent the angel Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, to um, um, give Zacharias a message. Zacharias was in, in uh, the temple in Jerusalem serving. He was what we call of the division of Abijah. So it was his time to serve and to burn incense before the Lord and to pray. So, but this Zacharias, of course, had um, been praying for a number of years, he and Elizabeth, that they would have a child because it was a reproach not to have children. And especially if you said you were righteous. It's like today, if you say you are righteous and you live for God and you don't have very much, people think that you're not really righteous. It's the same thing, same old song. Well, anyway, this uh, angel named Gabriel came to him and told him his prayers were heard. And so I wanted to expand on all of that because sometimes when we read the Bible, we read the Bible and we think, well, that was a good story. But the story continues. And you and I are part of the story. We are parts of the cast. God is, is how do you say that? He is the, the director of casting. God is the casting director. So he has put all of us in our positions in life. You, you're just going to have to really enjoy this message today. I started out in the other two services, so I don't want to cheat you by telling a story that I've told you maybe 30 or 40 times. I don't want to cheat you. But this, this story was an interesting story to me. It was um, told by a young pastor, very, very fine young pastor, who was telling, uh, making a point of repetition in teaching, repetition. Uh, if you were, if you were uh, as I was, an aspiring little student, trying to be a good student, and sometimes the English teacher would write on my essays, redundant. And that, that word bugged me, redundant. Like, you said this once, why are you saying it again? And uh, she would make red marks on my paper. And uh, so I have had the pleasure of having an English teacher, a uh, couple of them working for me, and I love to put red marks on that paper. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so th this, <laughs> this young guy, the young pastor, told a story about his mother. Uh, he was a young boy going to public school. His mother would take him to the corner, and she would say, Rodney, uh, you come to the corner. When you leave the house, you come to the corner, and you, you look to the left, you look to the right. If you don't see any cars, you cross the street. Go to the schools right over there. So she would do that every day. Rodney, and she did that for a long time, more than a week, more than two weeks. She did that. And so one day, Rodney was very frustrated. And he said, I know, I know, Mom, I know, I know. I come to the corner, <clears throat> I look to the left, and I look to the right. If I don't see any cars, I cross the street. I, I got it. She said, okay, now you got it. So now she could trust Rodney to cross the street in safety. I think it is very important 
that we preachers and teachers of the gospel will tell you things over and over and over until you really have it. Even to the point where you go, Pastor, we caught it, we got it. You know, I want you to do that because a lot of times we become hearers and not doers of the word. We are hearers and we have sometimes um, an attitude of, of religion or, or religiosity, some kind of overexpression of the things of God. We're just religious about them. We haven't really internalized the truth of God to where we can walk it out in any case. It doesn't matter the scenario. You can walk it out. You can walk it out when things are going really good, like you're going, like you're going to make millions of dollars, and, uh, or you can walk it out to where it's like, oh, I'm going to live the rest of my life in poverty. You can still walk out the truth of God. You can walk it out when God is answering your prayers. You can walk it out when you wake up in 2020. And there are fires in Australia. There are all kinds of catastrophes, earthquakes, everything. And then something called COVID becomes uh, the talk of the day. You can still walk out your, your, your Christianity. The story continues, but. So I'm going to be re repetitive. I'm not going to be redundant. Redundant, redundancy carries a negative uh, connotation, but repetitive means I want you to really get it. In every season of life, it is important for God's people to know that his promises are certain, they are sure, and that he always keeps his word. It is, very, it is imperative as a part of God's story to know that God always keeps his word. His promises are sure. When God makes you a promise, I'm going to do this for you, you say, but you can mess it up. No, not when he makes a promise. When he makes a promise, he's going to keep the promise. He may have to do something to you, but he's going to keep the promise. So it's important for us to know that he always keeps his word. In the story that we're about to share with you, the promise became a reality. Sometimes when we listen to people talk or we listen to the pastor preach, we would sometimes say, no, um, God's promise is our reality. In this story, the promise became a reality. It was always reality to God, but it became a reality to those it was given to. It became a reality to Zacharias and Elizabeth. It became a reality to Mary. And this is what God wants you to understand. You are part of his cast. It will become reality for you. In this story, there were, there were two women and one man. One man, Zacharias, was married to Elizabeth, and the woman was a young virgin girl named Mary. Two babies were, under, uh, uh, were born under miraculous circumstances in this story. A woman, Elizabeth, who was past childbearing age, uh, and an old man, uh, married to Zacharias, an old man, and he calls himself an old man, and, and he was wise enough to say his wife was only advanced in years. He, so his natural function seemed to be a thing of the past, or so close to it that the only response he could muster uh, to the angel Gabriel was, we're old folks, how can this be. You know, that, that is a ridiculous statement because he was a student of the Word of God. He knew about Abraham and, and Sarah. He knew about Hannah. He knew about 
uh, Leah and Rachel. He knew about those stories. Why would he think his was different? And so with you and me, we live in a time we think, why do we think our story is so vastly different than all of humanity? Because nothing has happened to us except what is common to man. But we think, what about me, poor me? Come on, God is ready to give you a miracle too. I, I don't say this because we have overused the, that terminology, a miracle, a miracle. Somebody who is not even dry behind the ears talk, talking about miracles, miracles, miracles. You have seen in this fellowship more miracles than most people have seen in their lives. You have seen people healed of all kinds of things. But we have not tried to, to get money from, from those miracles. We've just wanted to, God to keep doing what he was doing. So Zacharias wants to know, how can this be? But suddenly, in the midst of all of that, they were expecting a child for the first time in their old age. It was the first time they were old people. I mean, like postmenopausal and like Abraham. Abraham's uh, body was dead, as good as dead, the Bible says. You know what that means. And, and they still had a child because the, the, the weaker he got, the greater his faith became. But when we, the way we are, the weaker we are, the weaker our faith. But remember, the story continues, so you and I must understand this amazing story. Suddenly, they were uh, expecting a child for the first time in their old age. And these were supposed to have been their unfruitful years. They were fruitful in the midst of unfruitful years. And so uh, the, angel, the angel Gabriel was sent to a young girl named Mary at the time, and it was in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Uh, this young girl knew nothing about it because Elizabeth hid herself for five months, and then she probably barely exposed herself for the, the, the other month. Uh, and uh, this young girl, Mary, did not know anything about it, but the angel Gabriel told her it, uh, about it. God was performing uh, a miracle in this young girl uh, like nobody had ever seen. He had performed one in, uh, with Elizabeth in that he gave them a child in her old age, being postmenopausal, but now having a child. What a great miracle. Now a virgin girl is going to have a child. It's going to be a God thing because the Holy Spirit is overshadowing her. And as I have reminded you, that the Holy Spirit also overshadows you and indwells you right now. And so that means that you are a perfect place for God to do something spectacular. No, I said not, not with you so much as you are a perfect place for God to do something spectacular because you have the Holy Spirit living within you. Amen. And so in the sixth month of this impossible pregnancy, God is telling a young virgin that she is going to have a child, and this is going to be without human effort. A virgin would become the mother of her own child. Now, you ever think about that? I know some of y'all think about everything, but have you thought about that? This is amazing that, that, that this happened. I, these Bible stories are always alive. They are always just uh, teeming with life for me. They're bustling with life for me, though I read them over and over and over. And believe it or not, when I read them for the hundredth time, I will see something I didn't see before. This is amazing, the truth of God for us. So what, it, what makes this so important? Because we are part of all of this. 
We're not just uh, look, uh, looking on. We're not just looking, watching a movie. We are a part of this happening, this great happening. We are a part of the story, telling the story we are part of, learning from the story that we are part of. Oh, man, I mean, it's, it's exciting to me. It's exciting to me. Well, well listen, uh, what happened. From these two promises came two babies. Two, these two, be, two babies became two young boys. And we don't have a, a history of John, but we do have a history of uh, some uh, an evidence of Jesus as a young boy, 12 years old, going to Jerusalem. Je Jesus going to Jerusalem. Man. That, that's an exciting story. It's a short story, but it is a very potent story. He goes to Jerusalem and um, to, to the Feast of Passover, when the feast is over, everything is over, Mary and Joseph obviously saw him with some of the relatives, and they are saying, oh, he's in the company. He knows to stick with mom and dad. And uh, they're on their way uh, back to Nazareth, and Jesus hangs around in the temple. He sticks around in the temple uh, talking to the doctors and the lawyers. Isn't that something? Twelve years old. And they were astounded at this boy's wisdom and understanding. Twelve years old boy. Twelve-year-old boy. Yeah, and, and so in this amazing story, Jesus obviously knows because of his words to his mother Mary when they found him three days later, he obviously knows, he knows that he is the Son of God. He knows that God, the Father, Yahweh, Jehovah, is his personal daddy. <laughs> We're part of all of this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's not about some old musty religion, you know, from a musty old Bible on, on somebody's dusty shelf. We're part of this amazing thing that God is doing in the world. I'm grateful to God that he included me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. These two young boys became two men, young men, who changed the world forever. Who changed the world forever. When you think about this, do you ever see yourself as a change agent for God, or are you just holding on till Jesus comes? Change agent. Change agent. Forgive me here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Change agent. I was a little boy. I believe it was when I had gone to the tomato field. I, I, I can hardly eat a tomato. <laughs> I can hardly, it must be on hamburger buns and pickles and pepper and salt and everything else to disguise it for me. But I, we had tomatoes and I remember eating tomatoes until I couldn't stand tomatoes. But it was in that, I think it was in that tomato field when I said to my cousin Dennis, I want to change the world. I didn't know what I was talking about. But, but I would say the Holy Spirit moves in us, and sometimes we say things that we don't know fully what they mean, but we say things because of the moving of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, because we're part of God's story. We're part of his story. Don't become lackadaisical. Don't become happy-go-lucky, carefree, that's what I'm saying. Don't become like that. Don't become ho-hum, because you're a part of a great story. And here these young boys became young men. John the Baptist's ministry was 
over when he was approximately 31, 32 years old. His ministry was over. He was killed by a ruthless king, uh, Herod, killed by Herod. Jesus was about a year, a year and a half or so, a year and a half or so, maybe two years from death himself as young men. But they did more in their young lives than we do at 80, 90, 100 years old. But you can do great things even in your young life if you are willing to do what God tells you to do. One of the young boys, John the Baptist, his life was ended, but his, the effect has not ended because he was one that Jesus said would come in the spirit of Elijah and the power of Elijah uh, through, the, through the word that given to his dad. And the other son, the other son, the, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is alive today, though he died on the cross. He rose from the grave three days later. He ascended to heaven 40 days after his resurrection, and from that juncture, he has been seated at the right hand of God, seated at the right hand of power. You're a part of this story, by the way. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father, ruling, Paul says, everything visible and invisible. And I'm grateful I'm a part of the story, folks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And your faith, your faith depends on this story, for you have faith in this story, but maybe you're not fully cognizant of the fact that your faith is in this story, but your faith is in this story because if this story is not true, then your faith is futile, and everything you do is in vain. This is an amazing and beautiful story. He said of this one young boy, John, that, that he would be great, and that is... I think Luke 1.15, that he was going to be great in the sight of the Lord. I want you to know that you may not be great in the sight of men. You may not be great in the sight of men. You may not be great in the sight of men, but you are great in the sight of the Lord. You are great in the sight of the Lord because you are a part of his story. And here he says he's going to be dedicated or he shall not drink wine nor strong drink because he will be dedicated to the Lord. He's a Nazarene. He's a Nazarene. He's somebody who is totally dedicated to the Lord. I'd like to think that I'm dedicated to the Lord. I'd like to think that you are dedicated to the Lord because God has given you his Holy Spirit. Therefore, you must be dedicated to the Lord. Now, there, there might be an awakening in your life to these, these amazing realities. He speaks of John, even, even as John was born, he says he will also go before him. He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord and all of that. People are going to rejoice at his birth, but that's not all of it. He will also go before him, the Messiah, in the spirit and power of Elijah. And he's talking about Elijah who had just a great history. So John is the Elijah who Jesus says later, and I want to say it in case I don't get to it, uh, when uh, Jesus spoke of Elijah, he's, uh, or rather John the Baptist, he said he is Elijah who was to come. He, so John the Baptist walked in the spirit of the great prophet Elijah. Wow, this is an amazing reality. And so I think there's another corresponding reality here. I believe that we are uh, the Elijah generation. I believe that, that there's a generation, as it were, of Elijahs. But as I was talking to Reverend Stan, I think we agree, and he says, but there's also uh, a specific Elijah. And I agree that one of us may be 
the Elijah who is to come, who will speak the words of God, who will not curry favor with our politicians and our rulers, but will go and tell them the truth, the unadulterated truth, rather than laying hold of their truth. I just said, where's the church is all I'm saying. Where's the church of Jesus Christ? Where's the church of Jesus Christ? When I was a boy, we, the church I went to, we said we weren't a denomination. They said, I just believe whatever they said, but they said we weren't a denomination. I think we were. But they said, they used to sing a little song. Um, we are the church of mm, mm, mm. We are the church of mm, mm, mm. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you the name of the church. You cannot join in. You must be born in. We are the church. Da, 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 da. We are the church of da, da, da. You cannot join in. You've got to be born in. We are the church. Da, 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 da. And so you and I are this amazing church, this amazing church where these amazing things happen. He says that John, that, that you and I might be that Elijah who is to come. Maybe God has spoken something about you. Uh, the scripture it, it talks so beautifully about this. I was telling the other two services that when I was a, a, a young man, my mom told me that when, she was, when I was in her womb, she said that was the height of my, my uh, walk with the Lord. It was the height. I had reached some kind of a zenith in God. It was just amazingly glorious. She was very prophetic. My mother was uh, amazingly prophetic. I told you some stories about it. And uh, one of my least favorite stories about my mom, whatever she would say would happen. And if she would ask you a question, she wasn't always looking for information. She wanted you to agree that you had not been as good as you said you were. And that's, that's the way mom, mom was. And she would ask me one time, I remember she would ask me, are you praying? And I knew I hadn't been praying. I knew I was doing all I could to backslide. And I didn't want to say that to mom. So, uh, so I, I would just say, I remember one time I said, yes, ma'am, you know, and uh, then I thought I cannot tell a lie to my mother. So before I would go home, I would say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Because I knew my mom knew. I, I knew my mom knew, you know, and I thought, man, I used to think God tells my mama stuff on me, you know, he, he, like, but God is not a tattletale. God, God tells your mom to pray for you, boy, because there's a call of God in your life. That's, that's what he says. Hallelujah, somebody. You know, you, you don't know who, what God has for you in the future. I remember one of my least favorite stories is when I bought my son, our son, a horse. And I went up to, uh, up to the country to uh, ride the horse a little bit. We had not ridden the horse. We lived in South Texas. And, and all the other relatives were enjoying my son's horse. So I thought I would get on the horse. And I got on this, this American saddle horse he was. And, and I got on. My mom says, don't get on the horse. And I'm thinking, I paid for this horse. And I, and I said, why, mother? And she said, don't get on the horse. I said, mother, is that you or is that God? You know, is it live or is it memorex? You know, and I go, mom, I said, is this you or is this God? She said, don't get on the horse. I said, if it's you, I'm going to get on the horse. If it's God, I won't. I'm getting on the horse. And the moment I got my foot in the stirrup, the horse raised up. We call that rearing up. Uh, uh, rearing up. 
And I said, oh, no. And the course came down. I'm trying to get my feet out of the stirrup. I'm trying to get out. And the left leg was under there. And I hit. And I got out. She said, are you all right? I crawled from under the horse. And I said, yes, ma'am. But like Jacob, I've walked with a limp ever since. Why am I telling you that story? I'm, I'm saying that I'm, I'm telling you that story to say that we're all a part of this. The, the prophecy, the prophetic anointing that was on Elijah is now on John. The prophetic anointing that was on John is still here in the church. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. My mother was filled with the Holy Spirit. She always spoke things that, that were, uh, were, were about to happen or that were going to happen. You have also that reality. Somebody says, but no, that ended with the canon of scriptures. Who told you that? I'm saying we're a part of the Holy Spirit story. We are part of this amazing history with God. This is Elijah that James wrote about, the, the, the apostle James wrote about. And uh, it comes from Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, which says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. This is what God said. He will prepare the way before me. I'm just saying to all of us today, since we are living in this story, and, when, and since we see things happening just like God told us they would happen. And we, they're happening with rapidity. They are happening simultaneously. Could it be that we are part of this end time story? Could it be? The Bible says in James chapter 5 verses 17 and 18 that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. He was like you. God used him. He was like you. Can you grasp? Can you grasp that? Can you internalize that? Can you recognize that the story is continuing? He prayed and God did not do it. But this is what he did. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. He didn't do like too many of our church leaders do today. He didn't go to find political power, governmental power, and then cozy up to it. He didn't do that. But this is what he's called Elijah the Tishbite. I, I, I mean, I love that Tishbite. Elijah the Tishbite. What does that mean, Pastor? I don't know, but it sounds really powerful. First Kings 17, verse 1. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab. This man went to Ahab to tell him the straight of it. How many of, of our pastors who have access to power are telling our leaders the straight of it? How many? Do you know of anyone? Not a one. Not, haven't heard of one. They go and they get corrupted by all the power and the influence. But this man, Elijah, the John comes into power, the spirit and power of Elijah. And before the coming of the Lord, there will be somebody raised up and even a generation, I believe, that will walk in the spirit and the power of Elijah, that will do what he did to Ahab. Now, Ahab was married to Jezebel. Jezebel, you've heard all kinds of stories about Jezebel. If you see, well, I'm going to go there. 
Better not go there. But let me just say, she was a bad woman. And I mean, Ahab was a weak on one hand, but powerful king on the other. He was a wicked king. He, he didn't do right. He was king in Israel. And uh, being king, he thought he could have what he wants. So he saw this vineyard next to his, and he wanted that vineyard. You know, I, I don't have enough. You know, no matter how much I get, I need more. You know how that works. And so he wanted Naboth's uh, vineyard. And so Naboth said, no, I can't give you that. No, uh, Mr. King, you know, uh, I can't give you that. That belonged to my, my daddy, my daddy's daddy, daddy, on and on and on. And that's our inheritance. We can't give it to you. So he's moping around because he couldn't get what he wanted. Now, now um, uh, Elijah didn't go up to him and say, uh, you know, I know you're feeling bad, but let me see if I can get a word from the Lord so you can get that venue. That's the way these, uh, some of our brothers are doing today. I'm going to tell you the truth about it. Jezebel said, why are you, why are you, baby, why are you upset? Uh, Nate, uh, neighbor won't give me his vineyard. So I'll get that for you. Well, you know, I'll kill him. I'll kill him. You take it. And she did that. She did that. She was, but listen to the story. Listen to what this man, this man went before him. He went before Ahab. This prophet of God was not afraid of Ahab. This prophet of God, now, he later ran when Jezebel said she's going to kill him. <laughs> now, he later ran. But, but before that, because you Bible scholars are going to say, well, that, that's not the whole story, Pastor. But in this story, he goes to Ahab and he says to him, he says, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. He went to that evil leader and he told him the truth of God. And this is what God is raising up, not those of us who are currying favor. I believe our young people, especially now, I, I, I Trust that you're really listening to this message because you could be the very one that God is using. One of us older persons could be the very one that God is using. Regardless, we are part of the story. Amen. Let me... I, I want to sort of, sort of wrap this up a little bit. There's so much I could tell you about Elijah. Uh, when... Um, let me see if I can read a couple of, uh, of, of verses. But firstly, let's go to Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5. Uh, he says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. You see, the true prophets were voices. They were voices. The true prophets were voices. So God is raising up voices now, or a voice, for their message was from, were from, uh, was from God. They were calling the nation to get back into proper relationship with God. True prophets are calling the nation to get back into proper relationship with God. And so they're not calling the nation to be better at what it has been wrong at. Are you still with me? And so this is what he did. He, he was a voice crying in the wilderness, crying in desert places. God will put us in desert places, and we seem to think, well, I'm out of the will of God. 
No. You're not lost. You're in the story. There are angels watching the scene that you're in. For we are teaching the universe now. The manifold wisdom of God. That's what we're doing. This is what he says about us, about Elijah, about John the Baptist, and about us. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. That's right. Bring in revival so the Lord comes. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now, I, I, I'm coming to a close rapidly. In Matthew chapter 3, and I'm going to read a little bit from Matthew 21. In Matthew 3, 1, he says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How many of, uh, of our supposedly church leaders, national leaders, international leaders, do you hear saying, Repent? It's all about how we can vote in righteousness. How if we make the right selection, everything will be all right. That's impotency. That's impotency. No power. Listen, I'm not done yet. He went, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is in your grasp. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, huh? fulfilling scripture, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. In Matthew 21, Jesus said to them, verse 31, Matthew 21, 31, Jesus said to them, speaking of the chief priests and the elders, listen to what Jesus did. John the Baptist went to power. He talked to Herod. Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife right now. You can be married any time you want, many times you want to, to whomever you want to, male or female. And no pastor saying it. Right? That's not the spirit of Elijah. But John the Baptist, like, Ahab, like, like Elijah before him to Ahab, he said, it is not right for you to have your brother's wife. Herod puts him in, in prison, incarcerates him, later takes his head, but he spoke the truth. And because he spoke the truth, he still speaks to us today in the church. Jesus goes into the temple and he speaks to the headship. Jesus knew that if he kept speaking the truth, it was going to cost him. But we don't want to pay the price. We want the money, but we don't want to pay the price. Where is that church? He said, I sure I say to you, this is what he's saying to the God's leaders, leaders of the temple, Sanhedrin. Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. I've seen it myself. I've seen it in 2020 when people who don't know God seem to have 
a better attitude toward God and a sense of what God wants than the people of God? I, I, I got I to gotta keep going. Just, just shortly. Listen, listen here. For John came to you. Listen, Jesus, listen to Jesus. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. We got church folks who believe the internet prophet more than those God sent to them. And, and lately, they've proved to be, most of them, all liars. And they're still holding on to them. I'm just, this is a warning from the Holy Spirit. I'm talking to you online there. I'm talking to you in Asia and Africa, Europe, North and South America, Central America, Australia. I'm talking to all, all of us. Listen to what he says. You did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. Harlots. Loose, loose folks. Sinners. They believe. You know, when a sinner says, hey, man, something wrong up in here. And church folks thinking everything is cozy. This is what we're talking about. I don't want you all to give up on me yet. Jesus said that when you saw it, speaking to the church leaders, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Now, John, John was telling us what John was wearing. And John was wearing all these strange things. And then the, the, um, the disciples said to, to G, uh, they said, um, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? I've skipped down to Mark chapter 9, verse 11. Mark 9, 11. Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Listen to what Jesus said. Then he answered and told them, indeed, Elijah is coming first. And restores all things. A restorative ministry cannot be a ministry that goes along with all this wrong stuff. He's going to, and restores all things. And how is it is written concerning the Son of Man? Listen, that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt. Jesus, so he interjects, the Son of Man is going to be maltreated too. So those who identify with the Son of Man, those who preach what the Son of Man gives, they will be maltreated also, not not cuddled. You're in a good place, by the way. Now listen, but I say to you that Elijah has come, come, has also come, and they did to him whatever they wished, as it is written of him. And what Jesus is saying is that those who are of God are normally persecuted. Those who are not are normally celebrated. The story continues. The story continues, and you're a part of the story. What part are you playing? I'll be back shortly.